You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, you silly little monkeys. It's everyone's favorite Blink-182 music video. Drew Gasparini here with a brand new episode of Now We're Talking, the only podcast with a Michelin star. And today we have a fantastic guest. I've looked up to this man's work since before I came onto the scene as a writer in New York City. He's been the darling of the musical theater concert movement for as long as I can remember. You might know him for his musicals The Black Suits, Blood Song of Love, Things to Ruin, or the songs he contributed to season two of the NBC series Smash. He's a Tony-nominated composer lyricist whose musical Be More Chill became an internet phenomenon and led him all the way to a production on Broadway and beyond. He's one hell of a guy and someone I'm thrilled to share the space with. Ladies and gentlemen, now we're talking with Joe Iconis. Joe Iconis, how are you, dude? I'm doing all right. You know, it's just uh, it's a crazy time. It is a crazy time. You seem a little more lax about it than, I don't know, say me, for example. No, I don't think I'm, I don't, well, I, I feel like internally I'm really, uh, really falling apart, but I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it together. Yeah. A lot of loud screaming in your mind late at night, things like that. No, I mean, during the day. Yeah. No, I mean, like literally I've, uh, I've been having like nightmares, the oh. like, like, like stress, anxiety induced nightmares. Um, I've, and just from like the sort of general, uh, madness in the world and the 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 exhaustion of absolutely. all absolutely absolutely and it is fucking exhausting i'm telling you again from my parents garage i relate to you here uh <laughs> it has been exhausting to say the least and the nightmares are real they're fucking real and i yeah. can't i kind of want to know what your nightmares look like just based on what your writing is uh joe you are in my mind one of the most approachable humans in the industry and right at the exact same time, one of the most intimidating individuals <laughs> in this industry. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? I do. I do understand that. I think that uh, I've, I've heard, I've heard from people that have had that, that, that experience or that perception of me. Why it's, do you think that is? Uh, I cultivate it. I try really <laughs> approachable and uh really distant and and scary no i don't i don't know you know it's like i um it's just it's just me you know i i think that i think that i have a lot of i have a lot of like warring sort of things inside of me and sort of warring aspects of my personality you know i think that i am someone who's like who's super uh you know i I think i'm a very nice person I, i would describe myself as very nice uh 
and uh, I think of myself as like a very warm person, uh, but I'm also like really, really opinionated about things and, and I'm very passionate and I take things very seriously. So I, I, I don't know. I think I definitely have like, uh, I give off kind of both, both, uh, both things. Yeah. I think, but those are, those are such good reasons to be intimidating is being impassioned and being opinionated, especially in this industry. I'm one of those yucks that like I go to maybe here's the difference between you and I, if I were to assess this, yeah. if we go to a comedy show, I want to go to, I want to, I'm already laughing. Even if I don't like the guy who's doing the stand up. I'm like, I want him to know that there's laughter in the room. So I'm going to start laughing very loudly. So he understands this is an exciting time for him. I'm very excited to be laughing. I sure. feel like you would look around and be like, what's so funny about this guy? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't go to comedy shows for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a line, but it's not, I, I, I hate, hate comedy shows i won't i just won't go i hate sketch i hate improv all of it because of that thing because of that thing of like oh you have to laugh and if you're not mm -hmm. laughing everyone in the room knows that the person on stage is, is has failed it's like it's so co comedy is so terrifying to me in that way joe iconis hasn't laughed himself in about 35 years is that correct yeah. it's something like that oh no, i laugh i laugh all the time i love to be I love to be delighted. No, it's like when I love something, I'm, you know, I'm like screaming and shouting and crying. And, you know, I, 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 yeah, when I love something, I love it. I love it deeply, but I've gotten a lot better about, about hiding my, uh, my dislike of things. <laughs> I, when I was, when I was sort of younger, when I was, uh, you know, first starting out in, in musical theater, I felt like it was like a, like a, like a badge of honor. So not a badge of honor, but I just, I felt like, Oh yeah, if I don't, I'm going to go to something and if I don't love it, I'm just going to like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand up or I'm not going to like say that I like it. And now it's like, you know, now I, I, I fake it. I've got, I've gotten a lot better at being at lying and being. I love being, that. So it, it got, everybody who's listening to this, if you see Joe Iconis giving a standing ovation, just know that he's been working on faking it. That is from, <laughs> from his own mouth. Well, here's a question for you actually. When, cause you do these, I am in awe of you. I'm going to get into like my, my little obsession with you, but like I am in awe of you live when I see you do like the Joey Connison family concerts and what you bring to the stage. Is there an element of like, do you fear the Joe Iconises in the audience? Like, is there a part of you that's like, God, I really hope everybody likes this? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, they like it or they don't like it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, do you yeah. fear that there is someone out in the audience who is like, not going to stand because they they want everyone to know that that wasn't their thing necessarily. Um, I don't. I definitely don't fear it. But um, it's yeah. I mean, you know, I I like like like. Listen, I, I don't. I want you know. I if we're talking specifically about you know audiences, I want an audience to like me. I want an audience to like what sure. I'm doing. Uh, you know, and and specifically at like Iconis and Family shows where I'm performing. Like, yeah, I want a rock concert vibe and I want people to be like, you know, uh, over the top and their their approval and their excitement and their enjoyment of things. Um, uh, but I would never it, it's not I feel like I feel like I'm not afraid of people not having that reaction or right. I don't I don't alter things so that people will have that reaction, if that makes any sense. Like it's of not course. the fear of that doesn't doesn't change the way that I do things. And and, and, and so far as like the way that I write or produce things. I definitely have the thing of like, this is what I, this is what I believe in. And I think it's pretty good. And you either like it or you don't, but this is what it is. And I'm not going to like, you know, change this thing because maybe someone won't like it. 100%. Uh, 
sure. But and I will say though that um and also I just want to clarify, like I'm not like I'm not like sitting arms folded with like a <laughs> I don't do that. Like it's just, you know, in, in in a previous time in my life, I think it was, you know, it was more just like whatever. I don't even know what it was. But I wasn't like I'm I'm not like sitting Sony face uh, in, in the way that that some people do, but I definitely hate hate people. Uh, when I'm on stage who are actively showing me that they're not having a good time. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. And yes, I, I just painted the picture of you that you like begrudgingly, you're just sitting there grumpy. That's what I just painted. That's not at all yeah. <laughs> what no. you do, I'm sure. Uh, no. Joe Iconis, fucking A, from the black suits <laughs> to uh, uh, all the way to Be More Chill, making it to Broadway, the the resurgence of your songs during the year of Smash with, with Broadway Here I Come and the Goodbye song, these songs that have lived in the ether, and then they get this big fat resurgence. Uh, you've had such an insane career. I want to ask you what I feel like everybody wants to know. Mm-hmm. What were you like in middle school? I was uh, I was uh, really really large. I was a very uh, very large child uh, and young man and 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 adult. Uh, uh, and I was pretty uh, pretty shy. I was pretty mm-hmm. quiet. Um, and I loved musicals. I was just like a I was a piano playing musical theater uh, geek. That's what that's what I was. Do people ask very you this sweet. all the time? I mean, like in terms of of. When you hear your shows, when you hear your songs and your song cycles, they don't like exude musical theater necessarily. There's a great kid. There's characters, there's storytelling, but like, it doesn't sound like what I imagine. I like, I don't know what musical theater you might've been obsessed with in middle school or back then, but like the way that translated into your music is amazing to me because you're, you're not quite, <laughs> you don't fit under the umbrella of musical theater in the best way, in this way that I'm like always bewildered by, but you so live in the world of musical theater almost as this like, in the same way that like Walter White was such a great superhero, but he was so not a superhero. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. Yeah. You, you're the Walter White of musical theater. We're, like I root <laughs> for you. I root for you for almost the reasons I don't root for any other musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's very kind. Thank you. How did that happen? What was that evolution? And like, I don't know. Like, I can't, I hear, I just can't imagine you like bopping out to Hello Dolly. Um, well, I mean, I, I was. That's the that's the truth of it. And that also is like, that's a funny, you know, it's a funny thing that I kind of, it took me a while to, to realize sort of people's perception of, of me and who I was. I feel like so many people used to think, or, and certainly still do think like, oh, like, you know, I came from like the rock world or I came from the, you know, like I played in bands and then I found my way to musical theater, which is just so not the case. Like I, I loved, you know, classic musical theater when I was a, when I was a, a kid, you know, I saw Little Shop of Horrors when I was six years old. Sure. Uh, and then that sort of kicked off this love of musicals. And, you know, I, I loved like, you know, newer stuff as it came out, like Rent and Hedwig and, and stuff with like a, you know, decidedly more contemporary sound. But I mean, truly, you know, like Sondheim is, you know, is my, my, my God and Candor and Ebb and all the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff and Frank Lester, like all of that stuff is what I listened to exclusively until I got to college. And so I think that I had this really strong uh, understanding of musical theater songwriting and this real love and appreciation of musical theater songwriting form. And yeah. also it was just because I love musicals so much, the the way that, that 
the way that you know sort of classic musical theater songs were written to me that was songwriting like to me like oh sure. yeah it's how, you, it's how you write a song it's how you it's how you do it and so it was kind of in my bones so then when i got to undergrad uh, at nyu i kind of felt like oh i should probably try to listen to things that aren't um only original cast albums you know it's like right, i've heard right. there's I've heard there's other music out there, and so maybe I should give it a shot. What is this? What is this? The Beatles everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No. Truly. <laughs> truly. I rem- I, I remember like I you know in in high school you know people would say like who's your favorite band and I would literally say Hedwig and the Angry Inch because it was just like an off Broadway show at that time so like nobody knew right. what that was and so right. I would act like it was like a like a band like I would That's you know like hysterical yeah That's and I would hysterical. yeah. Even like even as a even in, you know younger like even in middle school I would sometimes when kids would talk about music I would I would say the names of shows and pretend that they were like band names. like I would say like I love Blood Brothers oh because no God. one knew what the fuck yeah. that was you, you know been jamming out to fucking you know but you then you slip up and you say yeah Lion King they're like but, on, let's, let's. <laughs> yeah it's this hip new band <laughs> Lion um, King <laughs> yeah but but yeah so I you know so I think that. I had this real strong base of, of musical theater. And then when I got to college, started listening to all this, you know, other stuff and, and yeah. found some real like, you know, uh, loves and really like developed a love of, of a lot of other types of music. And so then I think that my, my voice as a writer kind of started taking shape the very end of my undergrad time. Um, and that sort of coincided with me also, like, I really had like a big, I had a big sort of physical transformation. I just kind of came into my own as a man, as I was also, you know, sort of shaping my voice as a writer. And I was like loving all this music. So all those things, I think kind of, kind of congealed and and sort of started me on this, this path, you know? It's so funny. Like we're talking about you as a writer, but to me, it's so much bigger than you as a writer. Your writer, your writing does like live in its own universe and speaks for itself. And those songs can be sung by anybody. And they're, those are your songs, but you have this presence of an artist. And that's why I think it's so, uh, not confusing. It's surprising that the, uh, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein and all that kind of stuff was, was part of your, your, your listenability in middle school. That's what you were jamming out to because it doesn't translate to what your I'm going to put this in big air quotes for you, but your persona, yeah. whatever your persona is on stage, is like, oh yeah, I follow the Flaming Lips, and oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of like giant bombastic live acts like Arcade Fire and shit like that. I, mm-hmm. I almost said Rusted Root, but I wouldn't do that to you. Not Rusted Root. Rusted Root. <laughs> rusted Root. We need we need more white people with dreadlocks. That's what we need. Um, <laughs> No, but you bring this this energy and it like bleeds out. I used to, I was so envious. Envious is also the wrong word. But when I first moved to New York, the two first concerts I saw, and they were vastly different, but I was wildly inspired by both, was a, a concert of yours in like 2008 at the Lori Beachman mm-hmm. and a concert of Ryan Scott Oliver's at Joe's Pub. And I was just like, God damn it. What the fuck am I doing with my life? And I'm a little backwards here because you started listening to musical theater. I started, I was a singer songwriter. The theater was like an accidental byproduct to all the songwriting I'd been doing. Yeah. So I kind of was like trying to find this way to be a singer songwriter and write musical theater. And when I saw your concerts, I was like, he fucking did it. 
He he, <laughs> did, he just did it. He's a rock star on stage, but these are all his theater songs that he's playing right now. It like blew. It actually blew my mind. Were you? Did you feel like the first to kind of like? make this concert because everybody's fucking doing concerts these days you well you were before before the volcano diarrhea thing that happened in 2020 but (laughs) but like everybody everybody's trying to put their stamp on what their live performance is not just their writing and i think Mm -hmm. you are a huge you're like kind of this godfather of the contemporary live concert thing that everyone's trying so badly to not replicate, but have their own version of it. And the Joe Iconis uh, jamboree and the family thing, it, all of it is just so addictive and alluring. Everybody wants to be a part of it. It feels so fucking rock star. How come you never went the route of singer songwriter at any point? Cause you clearly have the chops. Um, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for all of that. I feel like you're really just complimenting me so much. I was not, not expecting uh, this is like, I like you, Joe, you might not believe it. I like you. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So no, I mean, I, you know, the, as far as the, uh, the, the concert stuff started uh, really because I was kind of out in the world of, of musical theater and, uh, it became obvious to me uh, after sort of being in development with with the new musical for a while, like, oh, this dream that I had of like graduating from grad school and having this musical about a garage band uh, that had young people in it, having it open off Broadway and being this massive uh, critical success and then moving to Broadway and the rest of my life being set. That was right. like not going to happen in the timeline <laughs> that I was kind of dreaming about. And so I was like, I want to, I, I was writing songs and I was like, I want to, I want to have these songs on a stage. You know, I want to, I want to, I, I don't want to be some writer who's just like writing stuff for no one to hear. You know, I want to, yeah. I want to put it on a stage. And, and, and for me, you know, I, like, I loved going to see live performance. You know, I love, I love going to see like cabaret, like sort of classic, you know, show tune, like Don't Tell Mama, yeah. uh, uh, 88's Rose's Turn uh, Cabaret. And I loved, um, you know, going to see like, like rock bands. And I love, you know, like going to Mercury Lounge and like going to like sort of small rock venues in the city. Uh, and so I just felt like, oh, there's a, there's a way to sort of combine this idea of like, you know, a sort of, you know, classic show tune cabaret and a, and a rock concert. And I, so I started, do, you know, doing, doing that. And when yeah. I started it, it's the concert, the, there wasn't really a musical theater concert scene, you know, as you alluded to, like all the musical theater concert stuff that I had seen, which I, you know, which I loved, uh, always felt like a recital to me. You know, it always felt like 100%. It, was, it was like, oh, people in music stands. And, and it also always felt like, oh, these people, these writers are, are doing this as an audition. Like these writers are doing this probably because they've invited someone from, you know, from Disney or someone from right, whatever right, to come and right. see you know, whoever happened to be famous at the time, stand behind a music stand and sing their song. And uh, which is totally fine. And like, I loved it. I went to all of them, but I just felt like, oh, I want to do something like that feels like a show, you know, in the way that like yeah. you go to see, you know, you, when you, you when you go to see, uh, you know, whatever, like like the White Stripes, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I didn't feel like, oh, the White Stripes are doing the show so they can get like a, a song place and a commercial. <laughs> like they're just doing the show to do it. Right. Um, that, that's what I wanted to do with the with kind of musical, a musical theater thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I was not a performer before I started doing stuff. Like I really, I performing freaked me out and I was not good at it, but I always like, I loved the idea of it. You know, I loved, yeah. like, I always feel like, I wish I could be like one of those guys who could just like sit at a piano and, and, and perform. I wish I could be one of those guys who could like read a, lead a, lead a rock band. 
Did you feel like did you feel like safer behind the piano? Did you feel like you kind of had this fortress protecting you? I, I you know what I mean? Like it, Oh my god, yeah. man is is intimidating as hell to me. I don't know how people just like I think of Brendan Yuri from Panic at the Disco and he's just mm-hmm. got a mic and he's just like why he's just owning a stage and like I could never do that. I need a guitar. I need a shield. I need something to block my actual insecurities here. Oh, same. Same 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 same. And I mean from, you know, for me like still still it is so weird for me to like be on a stage with just the microphone i've had to do it i've had to do it like quite a bit now in the last couple years of my life and so i've gotten better but still it's like the piano that just feels like that feels very comfortable that feels like home it's literally in front of you um so yeah the the piano definitely helped transition me from i got a question about your piano playing yeah because you rip it up. I mean, like I've seen you like, I, I don't know if it's part of, of just the energy of the show, but like you really, your whole body is playing that piano at some points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What was yeah. your training? I mean, you said you were listening to classical theater. Were you, uh, h- how good of a reader are you? Are you like really like you can whip it out on the keys with a classical piece or no? No, I mean, my my chops are not what they were, so I probably couldn't now. But I mean, I'm a good, uh, yeah, I'm a good, you know, I'm a good, I'm a good musician. Like I can look at it, you know, have a piece of sheet music in front of me and play it. And, um, you know, uh, however, when I was a kid, so I I come from a family that's not in the arts at all, at all, at all, at all. No one in my family is like in entertainment. No one had any idea what to do with me as a kid. And so, you know, my, my background with piano lessons was like I, I worked with a, a neighborhood piano teacher, uh, Mrs. Jablonski, and I I the more I loved theater, the more I started playing by ear. And so I would have you know my sort of piano assignments, but then I would like you know whatever go to see uh, you know the Who's Tommy because you have a Tommy right. poster behind you, which is why I said that. Um, yeah, I would do, you know the Who's Tommy, and then I would go home and I would pick out you know the the songs that I heard on the piano. Um, which and just sort of you know started improvising, which then led into me like writing stuff myself. Uh, but it was um, you know it was sort of like it felt like something separate from the yeah. kind of traditional classical uh, piano playing that I was being taught. And then I went to like I sort of exceeded the neighborhood you know teacher's abilities, and so she was like, oh, there's this piano you know this fancy piano school called Strecker and Harwitz, uh, where it's like they teach like the real kids on Long Island who know how to play piano. So I went to this this piano school, like, you know, just like a, you know, once a week panelist and kind of deal. And it was just straight up classical. Uh, and so I did that, but I just, I hated it so much. And I was, yeah. I was good at it, but like, what's so weird. And I'm still, I'm like this, like, I, I'm so good at faking things in that way that, you know, I would look at, at these, these classical pieces and I could just, I just kind of could tell like where my fingers should fall, you know? Right. And like the piano teacher would be like, that, that's not the note. That's not the note. And I'd be like, well, it's in the chord. So it's the same thing, you know? And I had no, no sense of like yeah, yeah. why that was wrong, why that was so bad. <laughs> wow. So your head must be cluttered with just chord progressions. Do you just like memorize chord progressions? Like you're some kind of rain man? No, they're just like in there. It's just so, it's so weird. You know, it's music is very, it's very intuitive for me. And so it's just yeah. kind of, it's hard for me to even talk about. I just kind of feel it. You know, it's just sort of like it's in my I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my my strictly, that's my only approach to, mm-hmm. to music is like I need to be able to feel it before it comes out in some sort of way. Yeah. I, I never approach a song, uh, I never approach writing a song with, 
this character seems like they'd be singing in a major, I never like, that's not yeah. the way I start. It's like, it just kind of all happens at once. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I hate, I hate the question and I'll never ask you this question. Cause I, I'm telling you out loud how much I hate this question. Yeah. In interviews that I do, I always get what comes first, the music or the lyrics. And then mm-hmm. I promptly say, stop asking that stupid question. There's no <laughs> way. And there's no way that every song is like, well, first music and then the lyrics. There's no possible way. If you're as prolific as a writer as you or I, or anybody who's trying to do this is there's no way it's going to be the same method every single time and if it is you're boring you're fucking boring and that's yeah no I, I i agree i agree to me that's the ultimate like who cares question like truly it's like what is the like yeah li- and, and li- how does it affect you if you yeah. like the song what does it fucking matter you know what who i mean cares? yeah <laughs> uh, joe i this is just a quick thought i have it written down i literally have yeah. it forbidden written down <clears throat> joe i yeah. think you would be a really good cigarette smoker your thoughts oh man I wish I smoked cigarettes so bad. It's like, it's an awful, it's a very bad habit. Uh, really, really, uh, really shitty. You know, don't, don't do it. Don't smoke. Blah, blah, blah. But I, I wish I did. I just don't. Same, I don't yeah. smoke. Yeah. There's something, but like, there's something about your essence that like, and here's what it is. Since we've been mm-hmm. talking, you put your hand through your hair like a thousand times and it looks glorious. You've got a great head of hair. Uh, Why do you think I wear hats all the time, by the thanks. way? Thanks. <laughs> so, so you with the, it's like this. It's the James Dean. It's the, you know what I mean? You got the cigarette in one hand, the other hand's going through your fucking slick locks. It's, you look, <laughs> you, you got the look down. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, I think it looks so cool. Uh, but I just never did. You know, my grandparents were smokers growing up. And what's, and I think the reason that I never did was because, because there were all these smokers that were in my life growing up. It never felt like a, a cool thing when I was a yeah. kid or like a rebellious yeah. thing. And I was like the least rebellious kid of all time. But, yeah. um, but you know, I, I have all these pictures. My, 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 my grandma, um, my, my dad's mom, uh, was this sort of like sort of wild, uh, Southern lady, uh, whose name was Mama Wee. And uh, she thought it was hilarious to put cigarettes in my mouth, like as an infant. So I have all of these pictures of me, like as an infant, I... where she would put the cigarette in, her, in my mouth. And then when I got to be like three or four, uh, she would like light the cigarette as I had it in my mouth. And she'd be like, now, oh, I love that. The, now that his yeah. lungs are three or four years old, we can light this bad boy. Yeah, up and, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was really in my life. It would have been really natural for me too, but I just never did. You just look like you got the, the you have the, the aesthetic for it. You got you got a good facial stroke. You got deep dark features too. You got the mm-hmm. dark eyebrows and the dark hair. You look like you could work in one of those offices from Mad Men era. I just see it working for you. And I love Thanks. that you have these pictures of you as a baby with a cigarette. We're gonna get a petition started. Start the hashtag Joe Iconis needs to be a solo artist because you have the fucking album cover right there. You, <laughs> you as a baby with a cigarette, how fucking great is that? That's a perfect album cover. It's a pretty yeah, I mean like Grammy nomination for best album packaging. Here I come. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing, right? That should absolutely be. It is now. It it is is today. Uh, Let's talk about a little bit about career stuff just for a minute. First of all, I want to say, I'm sure this never happens to you in the other way than I'm about to explain it. But what happens Mm -hmm. to me almost, almost on a weekly basis is Drew Gasparini. I love your song, Broadway, Here I Come. I hear that. (laughs) All the time. I mm-hmm. Do you ever get a song of mine tossed your way thinking that like, oh, wow, I love this song. You're like, I actually didn't write that. Or not even me. Other writers, do you get things like, mm-hmm. I really yeah. enjoyed Leave Luann? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the time. All the time. People, people a lot of times think that I wrote uh, kind of a funny story. 
I get that the most. Well, because of like Ned Vizzini, because of of the because of the Ned Vizzini yeah. affiliation, probably because yeah, of yeah. Be More Chill, which is a perfect segue. You and I are both writing, or I am writing. You wrote uh, to some to some success. I hear mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a a a musical based on a, uh, a Ned Vizzini novel. I'm writing. It's kind of a funny story for Universal with Alex Brightman, and you, to some great acclaim, wrote Be More Chill. I want to talk about that. Um, yeah. And not, not in a way that I'm sure that you've probably talked about it before. I probably will ask some questions that you've answered a thousand times, but like, what an incredible journey. I remember getting the soundtrack after you had done it in, uh, Two Rivers. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Two Rivers. Red Bank, yep. New Jersey. And, uh, I was listening to it and I was like, this is, first of all, hearing it, you hear Charlie right away. You hear Charlie's influence yeah. on it right away. Charlie Rosen, what a genius. But you hear your stamp on it as well. And I love the Joe Icona stamp because it's <laughs> one of those things that you, you can hop genre to genre. You can hop style to style and make it fit whatever show, but it just like Sondheim does. It just has that thing that you do. And this really encompasses the Joe Iconis sound so fucking well. I really love the uh, soundtrack for, for Be More Chill. Then you guys go off Broadway because that soundtrack started getting some love. Yeah. 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 Did the, you ever the, anticipate your, your, your road to Broadway being paved by uh, the internet? No, definitely never anticipated it. And I, I am so, or I, at least I used to be so old school about, about, you know, the business and the process of songwriting. And, you know, I, and still like, I'm someone who I don't do, like, I don't do like nice sounding demos of things. Like I, you know, I, I make like, you know, voice recordings of, of me and a piano, like yeah. on my phone, like I'm like super old school. And so, um, you know, I always sort of imagine slash fantasize that if I was going to get to Broadway, it would be the sort of traditional route for stuff like I write. Like, so I thought that it would be, you know, a little musical that would probably be at a, at a off off Broadway theater or a regional theater that would then be like, well-received and because it was well-received it would come to like a you know a fancy non-profit off-broadway and then i'd get yeah. a great new york times review and i'd go to broadway which is like how that's how it works for for shows like you know the type of shows that i write and so um and so that's you know that's that was sort of my dream of how i would kind of get there yeah and with be more chill uh you know it just so it just so had a life that was that was so so not that you know and so it was yeah. definitely the most unexpected thing and honestly it's so it's so weird but like the the journey of it gave me gave me faith like it gave me hope that 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 I didn't realize that that I had had lost which is weird because I you know because I'm I wrote it like it's my show right. uh, but it's but the the way that it it got where it got it was because of reasons that had nothing to do with me you know it's it's because of the the internet and of course like you know we, we it, i i you know I, I made it happen in a certain way and then many other people made it happen but but the fact that it you know the cast album that we made of this show that everyone thought was dead because we got a shitty new york times review which just happens to me multiple times in my career and that just it kills the sh- it literally kills the show for the type yeah. of shows that i write um yeah. we got the bad new york times review the the show was dead the guy who was the board of the head of the board of the theater, uh, Bob Recknitz, he loved the musical and wanted to make a, a record of it because he really felt like it deserved to have a record. 
And so that's why we made that cast album. And for us, it really felt like, oh, this is this cast album of this thing that's never going to be heard from again. Because right. nobody that was your guys' yearbook. You were signing the back page of this cast yeah. album like, wow, have a good summer, everybody. <laughs> Not thinking it would turn into the, the next step in your education, quote unquote, you know? It was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was a, it was a gravestone. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a yearbook. <laughs> the day you know the day that 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 Bumerchal came out it came out so we closed in, in june we made the album recorded it very soon after that and then it came out right before halloween uh in 2015 and i i listened to it i like bought it on on itunes because that was still like a thing in 2015 yeah. so i bought it and i listened to it and i was walking to uh to party city on 34th street because I, I was gonna do my Halloween show that night uh, or the next night or whatever um, at the Beachman. And I, I was listening to it. And as I was listening to More Than Survive, it got to the end where everyone does like the na, 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 na. And I like truly just started crying, like hysterically yeah. crying on 34th street because I was like, I just truly believe that I'm doing good work here and no one is going to hear this ever again. No one is going to care that I released this album. Wow. And it's not, this will never be on a stage again. And it makes me so sad because I really believe it. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's everyone's favorite part of the interview. The part where I interrupt and screw up the momentum of what we're talking about. I like to interrupt to remind you listeners that the way we support our guests here is by following them on their socials and keeping up with what they have going on. Joe Iconis is a prolific writer who has done more than I might ever do in my lifetime, and he's got a lot more coming up down the pipe. So make sure to follow Joe Iconis on Twitter and Instagram and beyond at Mr. Joe Iconis. Hey, and while you're following things, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Back to Joe. This is, by the way, that that kind of speaks to the appeal of doing for me at least, like doing the 54 Below shows, I do those because I'm like, well, I have a mountain of songs that have been cut from shows or will never ever get to the light of day ever. I'm going to have to force them onto a stage so that they have a blip of a life and then maybe YouTube will do the rest. You know what I mean? Um, I I feel that very hard about crying because you're like, I put so much of myself into this. this. The product is good. I don't care what people said in the New York Times. This is a good show. When you started to see the effects of what the internet had to say, were you mm-hmm. like, did you feel super validated and like, I told you, God damn it. Was it like, <laughs> was it no. like an about time kind of thing? Cause I will say this, Joe, there is, 
you are cemented in theater lore, at least for uh, writers of, of my generation, your generation, the Ryan Scott Olivers. We all we all heard the stories and watched the this close moment, the like inches mm-hmm. away from Broadway with black suits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was a back and forth. So for you to be the announcement of Broadway was like, Joe Iconis is finally going to fucking Broadway. There was like a collective celebration from all of your composer brethren in the community because we'd been watching you pump out work. And the, what you just said is so amazing because you're like, I know I'm doing good work. And that's what your shows prove. It's like, I know what this is, is fun. I'm going to do it because I know it's good. I'm going to write Be More Chill and put it and, and get that album out because I believe in this. And then to have the, the thought of no one's going to get to see this, that stings. Joe, when yeah. your announcement came out for Broadway, the whole theater <laughs> industry was like, it finally fucking happened. It happened. It happened. Uh, so tell me about it when, when all the announcements started going down off Broadway to Broadway and, and, and then London and oh my God, if it it weren't for COVID, this thing would still be playing its life longer and longer and longer. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it was, it was nuts. And the, the sort of outpouring of love and support, it felt, it felt really genuine and it felt really earned, which was, was really, was really nice, you know, when that all happened. But the, you know, the, the crazy thing is that it's it wasn't it wasn't like a switch you know the be more chill stuff it wasn't like a oh be more chill went viral and now it's going to broadway like right. it truly was like it sort of it gradually happened and honestly it was it was such hard work to get it to get it to new york city because for the longest time i found myself in the position of beating this drum of people are into this show this is this show is 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 huge people want to see this there'd be an audience for this i know there would and no one cared no one cared because the things i was using to to prove that was like you know it's it's a number two show on tumblr and it's been it's been streamed however many millions of times and like and theater people, you know, bless them, but they they are they're they're old school and they're very suspicious of anything yep. new and they're really yep. suspicious of anything that they're not in control of. And so everyone was just kinda like, Oh, that's cute, that's sweet. You have I'm I'm glad you have a lot of retweets, whatever you call it. Like it was true right. for so long. And that, and so like there was like this time when it felt like where I felt like, you know, right before I hooked up with with Jerry Gorian, who's the producer, who's, who's the producer of Be More Chill that made it happen. Um, you know, right before that, it, this was like in in the winter of of twenty of like twenty seventeen. It's twenty eighteen, and I just felt like this is if this doesn't if nothing happens with this show, I'm gonna like lose my mind and and go like live on a farm somewhere. Uh, uh, which is not to say that like living on a farm is is bad. Just I just meant you know I'm gonna like. Yeah, just, <laughs> it's not necessarily what your plan was. Yeah. I just immediately I immediately had a vision of a of a farmer like listening to this podcast and then being like fuck you. Yeah, I hear a lot of the followers of this podcast. We have a big farmer audience, so I'm yeah. glad you clarified. Amish, the Amish loved you, Gasparini. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but so I, you know, so it was so bad because no one, I felt like I have all of this, this miracle has happened where this thing is, has reached this, this level of, yeah. of, of, um, of, uh, you know, aware, the awareness that, that all of these shows try to get that have corporations behind them and that are based on, you know, whatever movies or, or theme parks or whatever. And, and this just happened from the show that played for New, in New Jersey for a few weeks and no one cares. Um, but the, the Jerry Goring cared and Jen Tepper cared and, and, yep. 
And because of that, we were able to like, you know, do it off Broadway. And truly when like tickets went on sale for off Broadway, we just didn't know if anyone was going to buy them. Like it was yeah. like, we hoped. And but then me, holy like, shit, you know, cause yeah. goddamn. Yeah. 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 And so then because like off Broadway was such like a crazy bonanza of, of tickets, you know, we were able to go to Broadway, but even what was so wild is that when, when we, when we started, you know, when it was like, okay, we're going to do more chill uh, off Broadway this summer, I was so thrilled because, you know, I, I hadn't had a show play in New York city since blood song of love, which was 2010. Like it felt it like at I did. Ars I just, Nova, right? At Ars Nova. Yeah. The, the yeah. gorgeous Ars Nova. Um, but so I just wanted to have a show. I want to have a show in the city. You know, I was like, I want to have like, please let me have like, like a work where I, I can like sleep in my own bed, you know? Cause yeah, I just yeah, spent, absolutely. You know, oh like, my God. The dream far away for a long time. And so I was like, that's, that's amazing. It was like 10 weeks. It's like, this is all I want. I just want to be able to do the show off Broadway. I don't want to think about what happens next. I just want to like, be in this place and enjoy it and like not worry about property. But as soon as it started selling, of course, like when we were in rehearsals, then everyone was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. There's interest in this thing. This yeah. thing could happen. If this yeah. thing, if this thing gets a New York times review this time, plus yeah. these ticket sales, it's going to, yeah. this could happen. This could happen. I was like, Oh God, no, 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 please. I do not want to be like, like going towards opening night of this fucking show being like, okay, it all rests on the New York times review, which is what it has always been for me. And it's always right. been bad. And so, go, you know, Be More Chill, opening night, we uh, we got it, another terrible New York Times review, which is, like, so so thrilling to me that there's, like, two separate ones now for this, like, little show that could. Right. Um, we got a bad one. And that night, the night of the party, so truly, dude, like, everyone, everyone would come up to me um, and people that we mutually know. Um, titans of the business would be like, I'm so sorry. Like, like literally, like it was a funeral because that's oh how my it's, God. It's, so, it's so black and white that it's like yeah. for a show like mine, like you need that in order to get to this next step. You know, people yeah. are, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's going to, it's going to have a good life and this is amazing and kids really love it. And, and then um, the person who did not do that that night was Jen Tepper, who was just like, no, we're not doing this. We're not like playing this the way that we're supposed to play it. And yeah. we like, we got this, like, absolutely not. We're not like playing this game. The rules and, changed for you guys yeah. without you changing the rules. The yeah. internet did that for you. And this young yeah. audience, I'll tell you, I went and saw it off Broadway. I went with my manager, Erica Rothstein, who I, you may or may not know. Yeah. She's married to yeah, Ian. Uh, she, uh, we went and saw the show and like every song, the the row of nine girls with different colored hair sitting next to me are screaming the lyrics like they're at a Taylor Swift concert. I like know, it, I, I, know. I, I do you understand what that does to my insides? It makes me feel like I am part of something bigger. It, the whole audience felt that. It's like wow, people are clung to this. These people knew the words verbatim, and like there were there like some a character who is certainly not the lead would come out and then get entrance applause. <laughs> and I, I was I was bewildered by it. You guys really created like a whole new way to do this and a whole new brand of theater. I feel like uh, I want to ask real quick, just because I am having an experience. You know, adapting a show uh, and writing an original show. You've written many original shows. One of them you just mm -hmm. mentioned, which is like one of my favorite things of yours that I've ever seen. Perhaps my favorite was Blood Song. I love that Thanks. so much. So, so Thanks, good. Thanks, my friend. Uh, but the 
I'm working on the Karate Kid. So taking a big cat franchise and like having to deal with what that means to others and not just myself. Taking, Mm -hmm. taking, it's kind of a funny story, which is lives in the Ned Vizzini world, which his fans, you know, not just be more chill, not just funny story fans. Ned Vizzini fans are a breed of their own who really cling to the material. Did you feel... Uh, while adapting this or watching the evolution of it make its way to Broadway, did you feel like you did Ned's work justice? And uh, was that ever a part of your creative process? Or were you like, we have the rights, let's make it ours and let's put it up there. What was your approach to all that? Yeah, you know, I it was it's weird because I, I feel like when we started working on Be More Chill, Ned was not um, Ned was like a little bit more of a culty figure. You know, it was not the the awareness of his stuff was not quite as widespread as it is now. And so, you know, luckily we didn't have that. Like we didn't have the thing of like, oh man, what are the fans going to think about changing right. this and changing this? We truly were just like, oh, this book is really cool. We love Ned. We love his writing. Uh, let's, you know, let's do our best version of the musical version of this. And, you know, right. I, I knew when we started working on Be More Chill, um, you know, Ned was 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 alive. And so we had conversations with him and we talked about the show and we talked about what we wanted to do. And he was very cool in a way that a lot of uh, authors or, you know, people who are the, the, the creator of the original source are not cool, where he was just like, I don't know musicals. He's like, I don't know anything about this. You guys do. And so just like, do your thing. And his main thing, he was he was really concerned about the the characters themselves feeling like true to the characters that that he created which they do even though we've changed them a bunch it was more about the you know the the intention i think that he wanted to make sure that it wasn't that we weren't trying to like turn it into something some sort of like you know like glossy uh fake you know sort of like cartoon version of what he did and so uh and so yeah so that's all we had to kind of go on and we really believed like he would really have liked what we did um, and sadly, like he killed himself before he ever, yeah. he ever even heard us. It was so crazy. We had a, our first ever reading was scheduled for Jan, the January after he killed, he killed himself in, in December. And, and, and it was like, it, it always, it just like blows my mind that like, oh man, this guy never got to hear anything in the show because also everyone was like, don't send him any songs because if he doesn't like it, he could like, you know, stop something. And I was just thinking, man, I wish I could have like sent him some stuff. Um, but luckily he, you know, um, uh, 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 Sabra, uh, who's his, uh, who's his, 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 um, widow. Yeah. his, his widow, his wife, uh, she, uh, she's been really involved and really awesome and, and has said that, you know, she really thinks he would have dug the, the show and what we did. So that's, that's kind of the thing no doubt. that's yeah. most important to us. Um, yeah, yeah. The weirdest thing with, with, you know, that kind of thing would be more chill was like, we because you know because the first time we did it in new york people at our we were able to do it because people knew it like that that was weird where it felt like the fans that we were worried about in the writing process was like the fans of the show which i've never had that experience and i would love to never have that experience again where you're like it's not even like oh they're gonna get so pissed if we change this about the source material it's like no it's like they're gonna get pissed if we change this about the show the show that they that they fell in love with wasn't quite done. You know, we were like sort of in the process of developing it. So yeah, that was a weird thing. How many times did you get uh, questions about like your love for Little Shop of Horrors? Because it's like, there's like the sci-fi comedy aspect of Be More. There's a lot of parallels, I guess, just in terms of those two shows uh, as a musical and just like genres. Was, Was a part of you like, this is my, this is my Little Shop moment. I'm having my Little Shop of Horrors moment right now. 
Um, I mean, ish. You know, what's so funny is that both, like, Trace and I, we love Little Shop, and it's like Little Shop is very, you know, formative uh, musical for me. But we never consciously set out to be like, oh, this is going to be like our Little Shop. And when yeah. we were writing it, the the musical theater references that I would always say were sort of very much more old school. Like I kept talking about Dan Yankees. I kept talking about sure. sort of old-fashioned musical comedies. You know, oh, and that's what man. I was like. I'm doing that. I'm just, you know, we're using technology and we're, you know, and I'm drawing from different influences, like 50s, you know, sci-fi movies and 80s horror movies. Um, but it, it wasn't until we did the first reading where we were like, oh, right. We just kind of like wrote Little Shop. Cool. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, but, you, but you didn't. Right. I mean, like, it's it's clear that it's like, that's just like the happenstance of how the show kind of ended up. Mm-hmm. I just love the parallel of... I've heard in interviews and I've read in interviews with you that like Little Shop was a big thing for you. So to see this like live the life it had, it's like, yeah. oh my God, this is his sci-fi comedy. It's it's like what yeah. Little Shop must have felt like for Mankin and the such. Um, a couple random questions for you, Joe, if you don't mind just hopping off topic for a little bit. Yeah, I love it. Just this is kind of a general thing, but and I, I want to know this as uh, as a great admirer of yours. But I think listeners would also like to know because you're so prolific. If you just list the the musicals you've written, not songs. I mean, because songs can go live and die in Fifty Four mm-hmm. Below. They really can. <laughs> but but you have had a number of musicals. You're very very prolific, and you also have a very based on what you've said. You have this old school mindset of. Here's what I would like. Here's how I want it to go down. This is my hope. This is what I want Joe's trajectory to be. Mm-hmm. What is something that holds you back? What holds you back in this industry? What holds me back in this industry? Yeah. Or in life, mm-hmm. not even in this industry. I would just say like, what, what is something that holds you back? I guess the, the deeper way to question it is, what is the insecurity that you continue to carry with you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, or is it that you started getting Broadway money and now all those insecurities are out the window? <laughs> yeah, the Broadway <laughs> money really, yeah, it pays, I, I paid, pay someone to extract my insecurities from me. <laughs> I think. I, <sighs> Joe just fell asleep. No, 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 I'm thinking. <laughs> I want to, that's a, it's a great, it's a great question. I want to. I want to. I want to have a, a great answer. Um, I don't. I don't know. You know. I think. I think. I think maybe. I think that I. It's not that I want. I. It's not that I want everything. To be, perfect. It's. No. You know what I think. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know if this holds me back, but I think it's something that keeps me from from feeling content. It's this. It's this sense of like things could be better. Always, like it's this sense of like no, no, no success is no success is is quite good enough. You know, it's this sense of like yeah. oh, if I get I you know I I'm I, I think I'm trying to get to. I think I'm trying to get to, you know, to, to point A, but I was actually point B and I just missed point B, but I'll, you know, I'll try for B next time. And it's like this sense of like never being fulfilled with, Mm -hmm. with, with, with anything. 
Um, and so I think that it's, I don't know if that's like drive or, you know, it's like my, you know, my ambition will get the the best of me if I'm just like playing out, there will be blood in the, the American musical theater. Uh, but like, it's, it, I think that is something that, that, that trips me up. And then I think because of that, I, I have a tendency to get really, um, you know, furious or depressed or whatever. I think my, my highs and lows are, are really extreme because I, because I'm always like unsatisfied. I can never yeah. just be settled. You know? I, I, so, I, I say this to anybody, uh, and you know, you're married to the lovely Lauren Marcus, but I, I always say anybody who dates a writer is in for the biggest up and down roller coaster of their entire life because yeah. it's either like we have the most sunshine or we are mm-hmm. casting the biggest shadow. It's yeah. there's like hardly a medium in between those two states. That's yeah. at least my experience, and most writers I know are like that. I do think it comes from that drive of like, even when you get there, and I'm sure there were moments, even when Be More Chill made its way to Broadway, as amazing as that felt, and for all the reasons that it got to Broadway being extra amazing, there were probably moments of just looking around, because I put myself in your shoes in this situation, mm-hmm. where I would have gone like, yeah, but it's not what I wanted. <laughs> it's not how I, it's not how I wanted it. Like I'm here and I'm still finding things that are missing from this experience that I wanted specifically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, which is, it's a very, it's a challenging thing to talk about because it's hard, you know, it's hard to be like, my show got to Broadway and I'm so sad about it. Oh sure. But that's exactly what I wanted. But that's just, that that's part of that, that frustrated, uh, endlessly happy, but frustrated, never satisfied writer mindset. That's, that's where I'm coming from is I would, yes, a show could go to Broadway, uh, the, the minute I booked Karate Kid, I called my mom and she goes, holy shit, Drew, you you did it. Like, it's a, you, you finally got the thing. And I'm like, I got the thing. And then I get off the phone. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to write? Th- I don't, this isn't what I wanted to do. Like, I I, I, I didn't yeah. even think it was a good idea. Like, Karate Kid seemed like a bad idea. Like, I really had this, like, meltdown of, what am I thinking? What are they thinking? And any other writer would have been like, fuck you, I want that job. Or fuck you, right. I want that experience. Right. And I'll find a way to complain about it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe co- writers have uh, perfected the art of complaining a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Or just having complicated feelings about things. But that's, you know, but that's why we're we're writers, you know? And I think that exactly. if, if, you, if you didn't feel that way, if you didn't, you know, if you weren't like, the examining things and second guessing things, then you'd, you'd probably be a shitty writer. You know, I, th- I think you're right. I think you are right. Uh, Joe, yeah. a couple, a couple more silly questions before we wrap up here, if that's cool with you. I thought that, I thought the, what holds you back question was going to be a silly question. No, sorry. You're right. It. it was just, it was just an off topic <laughs> question, but here are the silly ones now. Sorry. That, that was a, <laughs> that was a misdirect on my, uh, no, on my I, I liked it. It was very exciting. If you had to make out with, uh, any of the following composers, mm-hmm. would it be Ryan Scott Oliver, mm-hmm. Adam Guan, mm-hmm. or Drew Gasparini? Out of those three, who would you want to make out with? There is truly only one right answer, but uh, I defer to you. Go for it. Adam Guan, the prettiest. You are, no, that was the right answer. Absolutely <laughs> correct. I know. He's, he's just so cute. He's just, yeah. he's just an adorable little pocket-sized man, and I want to make out with him right now as we're talking. Um, <laughs> last last silly question and then uh, 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 one last real question before we part. Yeah. We're having a dueling pianos royale, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think you're a, you're a prime uh, person to ask this question to just based on 
your extensive study of piano and how you bring it to the stage in this in this rock and roll format a lot of the time. Okay. Uh, let's let's start with an easy one. Elton John versus Billy Joel, who's taking who? Who's conquering that battle royale? Elton John. What makes you say that? I love that you said that because I feel like you would have said Billy Joel strictly for the Long Island thing. But what is what is uh, the Elton John reason? I mean, I think in the and you know, if we're talking about literally what would happen, I just think that Elton John uh, has a sense of of showmanship uh, that that sets him apart from Billy Joel, and I think that he um, uh, he's a he's a more he's a more aggressive uh, character, I would say. And I, and I think that Elton John, I feel like he would, uh, he would fight, uh, he would fight dirty and I feel like he wants to win. And so I think that he would, he would just take, take Billy Joel, but for, you know, for my personal piano battle, I just always like loved Elton John so much. I think too, because he was also kind of goofy, you know, like not goofy, but has a sense of like, he both has the thing of like, I'm the coolest fucking rock star in the whole world and nobody can touch me. And like, you know, I'm going to like dress up like Donald Duck and silly and like, and, and like challenge you to think that he was cool. In addition that to just, make, you know, being so badass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Perfectly put. Uh, yeah. 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 Elton was always my guy. People fl- flip out when I say that they're like, what over Billy Joel? I go, yes. Over Billy Joel. I'm sorry. I like Billy Joel too. Don't get me wrong. I do, but yeah, 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 yeah. no, no, same. It was, hard, uh, it was hard for me too because Billy Joel, like when you're from Long Island, Billy Joel is like the, you know, he's the god. He's like even yeah. like, you know, even like the the shitty like you know Republican you know relatives or people you yeah. went to high school with. Yeah, exactly. Like even they like Billy Joel. It's like the yeah. shitty in Jersey who like who like Bruce Springsteen. It's like even they like. It was like he's a, like a, a this unifying figure. And I think because of that, I was always like Billy Joel's okay, but I prefer Elton John. Right, right, right. You know? I prefer this flamboyant <laughs> Englishman. Uh, Billy Joel really did lock down the shitty Republican relative demographic. That was really his thing. I know. Um, all right, now in a more uh, in a more theater uh, arena, who would win in this battle royale of dueling pianos? And mm-hmm. I think there's kind of a clear yes here, but I've seen footage and they both rip it up. Tom Kitt and uh-huh. Jason Robert Brown. I think. Um, I think that. I think that Jason Robert Brown is the winner. Yeah. Just in because terms I, of chops. No, it's it it all it comes down to like it comes down to internal stuff for me. So I think that Tom Kitt has this like niceness. Like Tom Kitt has this kind of like Midwestern vibe to me. Yeah. And uh, I think Jason Robert Brown has like a more sort of like angular, sharp uh, sort of personality and uh, and I think if I was Jason R. Brown, I would be so pissed that Tom Kitt won a Pulitzer and I didn't. And so I'd be like, oh, I have to fucking kill him. And so that's why I think I could just put my, I could put myself there. I like them both very much and they're both great piano players. But, yeah. I could have just asked you these questions and I feel like we would have gotten so much about you just with these questions, <laughs> how you're answering them. Uh, the final one, this really yeah. lives in, in the, in the, from the Joe Iconis playbook. <laughs> Dr. Teeth versus Rolf the dog. Uh, Rolf. 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 I, I mean, love them both, but Rolf. I idolized Rolf as a kid. Yeah, Rolf was legit. He he he's a talk about a tender heart though. Like uh, he really had this like tenderness because he was like the bar piano player of like tell me your woes, my friend, and like would like tickle the keys in like this gentle underscore kind of way. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. And he has that, the thing that I love of like the, you know, he's like super, super cool. Like, like Ralph could be super, you know, very rock and roll. Um, yeah. Really badass and going crazy, you know, his ears flapping. Um, but then be like super tender and be, you know, like be your best friend. Both feel yeah. both intimidating and uh, very warm and fuzzy. But there is no dispute here that Dr. Teeth would have better drugs. That's, there's no dispute <laughs> that Dr. Teeth would, would have the goods. That's what yeah. I think. No, for sure. Uh, all right, Joe, that is going to be the last of the silly questions. The last thing I want to ask you before I say goodbye to you, first of all, thanks for taking an hour of your time to, to chat yeah. with me. I, I haven't seen you since, I think we bumped into each other at the Jagged Little Pill uh, intermission for a brief second. That's probably the last time I saw you, so it's really good to oh, see yeah. you. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to ask you one last thing. Just, right before the end of things. It was right before the end of the world for a minute. And yeah. how excited are you for things to come back? Are you just fucking like endlessly excited I'm, or do you have I'm, different thoughts now? No, I am so excited. I want I want it to come back. I fucking hate this. I think it's yeah. so shitty. I don't want to I don't want to zoom anymore. The zoom is great, but like I don't want to <laughs> zoom. I don't want to be writing in a room. I don't I don't want to make theater for computers. I don't I don't want to do it. I want to yeah. be back in a fucking room Same. making stuff. I want to be in a restaurant. I, I, will, I yeah. am so I am so ready for us to be back on a stage. I'm with you there. Uh, my last yeah. question for you, my friend, is what is something you want to see? And as someone who idolized you before I moved to New York and ended up getting to watch you do your thing, watch you make it to Broadway, we're all saying the big congrats and, and knowing full well, now that I've, I'm starting to make my way in this little industry of ours as well, there are such a large young audience for musical theater and they look to guys like you and me and this generation of writers. What is something that you wanna say to the future generation of theater makers, I want to. I would like. I would like to say, uh, don't be, don't be assholes. Yeah, that's a good. You know, that's like a no-brainer. Yeah. But yeah, you can. You know, be like, be nice to people, and and that's that. That'll be really helpful to your lives. But I, I don't know. Honestly, actually, the the I, I definitely get asked a lot. Like, what advice do you have for you know young people or people like sort of just starting out? And, um, and I always, you know, I always say that, that, um, that it's a, that it's a, it's a hard life, but it's a, it's a really great life, you know? And yeah. I think that if you have an inkling to do it, you just like absolutely should, you know, I think that I, I, when I, when I speak to like, speak to young people and speak to people who think, or, you know, thinking about maybe doing this, um, I just feel like when I was young, I was just hit with so much negativity surrounding you know being in the arts or being you know being an artist in any way and i just felt like i was constantly told by you know like older white guys the thing of like if you can do anything else then you should do that and don't do this and i just hate that like i love yeah. the idea of choosing to do this and i love the idea of like yeah you can do a million things but you choose to be in this life and it's and it's a, and it's a great life and it actually you know it, it helps it, a great many people um, yeah, and so I think that uh, I would like to say, like, don't lose your your passion and your and your 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 optimism, and uh, and don't be an eye roller. You know, that's yeah. the only those are the only people I, I unequivocally hate the the eye rollers, the people who yeah. are over it. I just yeah. think like maybe you want to you know you want to be like crazy. You're, you know, maybe you're you're furious and you're like a raving lunatic in this business, but like that's okay. But don't be over it. You know, they yeah. like these people who. Who and I'd see a lot of them. This sense of like everything is like, a, oh, I can't believe I have to do this concert. I can't believe I have to do this. It's right. just like get get out. You know, like if you're in it, like hang on to that passion and that and that 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 love. 
That's it, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. Stop being an eye roller, kids. That was beautiful from Joe Iconis. Joe, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your time and for having this little chat. I really, really enjoyed this talk with you. Me and too. I, I look forward to the times that New York is up and running and, and we can kick it over a martini or something like that in the future, my friend. Let's do it for uh, real. Until next time, thanks, Joe Iconis. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Cookies for everybody. Cookies and money and sex for everybody. Anyway, isn't Joe great? God, didn't it make you miss theater? Just talking to the guy made me miss being in a theater. Oi, soon, soon, soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Now we're talking as a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network, and you can find out more about me, this podcast, and the network if you go to bpn.fm slash talking. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Just look for Drew Gasparini. You'll see the goods. Special thanks to our guest, Mr. Joe Iconis. I love you, dude. And thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcast. And keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Next week, we're going to have somebody cool. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.